0: Fim. Fum. v fi fo fum It's Fim. That's the word of the day as in F-Y-M. Nothing personal word of the day. That's F-U money for those of you listening at home or watching. F-Y-M. Who's got it? Mark Cuban's got it. Who saw Saturday night's game? Dallas Mavericks lose 111-107. To the Atlanta Hawks, who admittedly are not a good team, Mavericks have aspirations of making it to the Eastern Conference, Western Conference semifinals. Mark Cuban, who has paid several million dollars in fines, just for his comments on Twitter about referees, to say nothing of the $10 million in fines that he paid because he led an organization that was full of sexual harassment and misconduct. Other than that, Mark Cuban has been a perfect MLB NBA, NHL, NFL, team owner. So, what did he do and why does he have FU money? Uh, There was a mistake. I'll give you that. Sometimes referees make mistakes, umpires make mistakes. I've called the league office many times. I have tried to protest games. I've explained that certain umpires are just horrible and that they should absolutely not be major league umpires. I recognize they're in a union. I've actually focused my wrath on named umpires who are just not good at their job and we all know who they are. We know it. It's not a surprise. It's not personal when I say that CB Buckner is not a good umpire or Joe West is not a good umpire. We know that when you're in the game. The difference about what Mark Cuban did here is that he went to Twitter and he started talking about league referees. The people in charge of the referees, former referees like Monty McCutcheon, Ronnie Nunn, Bob Delaney, people who I saw ref games, they now are in charge of developing and teaching new referees. Rodney Mott, who's not a new referee, was doing that game. And Cuban just went off saying that there should have been no goaltending called. And it should be Mavericks down two with nine and a half seconds left in a jump ball. The problem with Mark Cuban is that he doesn't understand that his way of doing it, when is he going to realize his plan to effectuate change in the NBA through his rants and ravings isn't going to work because the other owners, the league office, everybody just turns him off. It's too much. If you really want to make change, Mark, and you want to get the referees better, how about donating money to make sure that referee pay goes up? Donate money to make sure referee training goes up. Donate money to get the technology in a place where everything is perfectly reviewed and no mistakes are ever made because every angle is captured. There are myriad things you can do other than calling out referees by name. The NBA has said that they are not going to find him quite yet. The NBA is going to wait to rule on the protest that the Mavericks filed. Then they're going to fine Mark Cuban. I'm guessing it's not a way to see. I think Mark Cuban's looking at 25 large at a minimum. It could be anywhere from 25K to 150K because the NBA would really like to stop him. But guess what? When you've got FEM, even two and a half mil won't do the trick. Well, on a, uh, obviously on a serious note, today's February 24th and, uh, Today is the day of the Kobe Bryant memorial service. Done a lot of thinking about this over the last couple days. When they announced it on the 24th, it made sense. His uniform number 224 was the number of Gigi, who obviously prematurely lost her life. So did Kobe. So did the other seven people on the helicopter that day. So what they're doing now is a fully public memorial at Staples Center. They sold tickets to it, all raising money for charity. It's being covered by every network. CBS Sports HQ is wall-to-wall coverage of this for hours. We've got our anchor, Chris Hassel, literally sitting at the desk for hours waiting to comment, having guests. It's on CBS Sports Network streaming. It's on ESPN. It's everywhere. Why is that? So the question is, when you run a team or a league, how do you know when it's too much? How do you know when it's not enough? There's a fine line that really exists between honoring somebody versus exploiting the death versus people who are there for the wrong reason. So for example, why are people selling tickets to this memorial online on StubHub looking for a profit? Why are people trying to make sure they're seen celebrities in certain places? I find it very interesting. I really never wanted to ever go to a memorial of someone I didn't know, someone I didn't like, someone I didn't care about. I thought the best way, the best way in the world you can actually remember somebody or actually make a difference in a life is what you do when they're alive. I don't really understand the whole concept of waiting for someone to die and then all of a sudden paying attention, then going to memorials or funerals or donating money to charity or making sure you're in the front row at the memorial. What about when people are alive and doing little things on a daily basis for that person weekly, just to check in a text? How are you thinking about you? Just want to say hello. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. There's a lot of that going on with Kobe Bryant right now. I didn't know Kobe. I never met him. What I do know is that when you think about death in sports and then you think about what is necessary, I did an entire show on this, what is necessary to do from a business standpoint. A lot of people misunderstood that show. I want to again explain the reason why I spend the time on nothing personal to go over issues with you is to give you an angle that you're not getting anywhere else. You can turn on any channel and listen to one of 200,000 podcasts who will give you the same ordinary crap. What I'm trying to do is give you a behind-the-scenes voice that just doesn't exist because for any executive out of the game, they're too busy trying to get back in the game to ever say anything of substance. They're too busy trying not to offend anyone to ever uncover the truth. I don't have that issue. I have no one to offend, I've no truth to hide. I want everyone to know what happened. So when I tell you after Kobe Bryant, after I would get word of his death, I'm getting into work mode immediately. It doesn't mean I don't care about Vanessa. I see Vanessa doing things that are unthinkable. It's it is a tragedy to lose. It is way harder on Vanessa to lose her daughter than it was to lose her husband. Losing both at once is unthinkable, but it happens. But losing a child goes against the normal, the normal procedure of life and death. You never want to bury a child. So when Vanessa stands up and speaks and starts with her daughter, it's very appropriate for her to do that. I think it's very appropriate that she's being honored, the daughter, along with her dad, The cynical side, of course, I look at every side. There are so many other things going on with this, even just today. TMZ, we've talked about it. What is their goal to break news? What is their job to find news? Today, it broke that Vanessa has filed a lawsuit, a wrongful death lawsuit against the company that operated the chopper, Island Express. Now, there were reports that came out that Kobe had his own helicopter, that it was his private helicopter. It was obviously run by this company. So Kobe had not started his own LLC in order to own and operate a helicopter. Word has come out about the pilot, the negligence of the pilot flying through bad weather. So today, a lawsuit was filed, a wrongful death lawsuit. So I'm very familiar with these things. It did not have to be today. There's a statute of limitations. After the date of discovery negligence, you have X number of years in different jurisdictions. It's different. Let's say five years. You certainly have more than two months, three months, four months, five months. Was it purposeful to file that lawsuit today? Was it filed weeks ago and TMZ held the story until today? Would they have been able to hold something like that the way these stories get out, it's not a secret as a matter of fact. There are reporters who monitor all of the filings that go on in every jurisdiction for any sort of lawsuit like this, for any sort of arrest. The reason why these things get leaked is because it's all public record. When you file a lawsuit, whether you are Vanessa Bryant or Jane Doe, it is public information. So did TMZ hold it and then release it? Did TMZ find it just today? Did it happen just today? And if it happened just today, why is that? Why would you choose today to file that lawsuit? I just don't get it. There's no legal reason, I promise you that. Find me one legal person who tells you that there is any correlation between doing it on the day of a memorial service, on the day when the public is focused and crying and with you, one bit, one ounce of correlation between that and likely prevailing in the lawsuit, it doesn't exist. The law has no tears. The law does not care. That is what the law is. So I'm going through in the Kobe Bryant situation and thinking about what do we do, right? When do, what, what do the Lakers do? I want to bring you back on the court for something. Don't be a hater. Just listen to what I'm saying before you react. When the Lakers postponed their first game against the Clippers the day after the accident, and I went public on this show saying that was a mistake, you've got to play that game. I thought it was both to play for getting the game in, for the healing process to begin, and also for purposes of on-field performance. Because when you postpone a game, it has to be replayed. Well, news came out this weekend, that game will be replayed, and guess what? The Lakers now have to play three games in a row. April 7th, scheduled. April 8th, the rescheduled game. April 9th, scheduled. That is three games, back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. LeBron James may play games one and three. He will not play all three games. It's not even a question. They will not have him play back to back to back, no matter whether he wants to or not. You're going to say the Lakers have the number one seed solidified. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I'm merely saying as president of a team, I have to look at every angle of a story. I can't just look at the emotion of it, the horror of it, the tragedy of it. I have to look at the competitive nature of it. Do you know that we were forced to play a game the day after Jose died because we had not been officially eliminated from wildcard contention and neither had the team we were playing, the Mets? The game had to be played. We turned it around, played the game, honored Jose. One of the most memorable, difficult, horrible games I'd ever been a part of. But the reality is that there is reality. The reality is that this memorial will end. Every single celebrity you saw in that front row, they will go home and Vanessa will be there. Vanessa will be there with their remaining daughters and without her husband. I don't like people taking advantage of publicity. It makes no sense to me. At least don't do it at a memorial. Do it at a concert. Okay. Would you boo... Jose Altuve, are you going to boo him all year? Is that the plan? Jose Altuve had his first at-bat at spring training today in Lakeland playing the Tigers. Got booed, like loudly booed. Is that the plan? Is that what we're going to do? Well, the Astros played their first game this weekend. It was a home game. At spring training, the Astros share a facility with the Washington Nationals, just like we did the Marlins when we shared it with the Cardinals. That means that sometimes when you play the Nationals, when you're the Astros, you're the home team. Sometimes you're the road team. What's the difference? The biggest difference for me is when the Marlins were the home team, I got to sit first row behind the plate. When the Marlins were the road team, you had to sit 10th row behind the plate because you were in the visiting team seats, even though it was half your ballpark. Same thing, Astros Nationals will play a lot. They did play the World Series, irrelevant. The fact is they will play themselves a lot during the spring training. So this first game on Saturday was an Astros home game. When it's a home game, that means you're in charge of the in-game entertainment. That means there's video showing the Astros' season. That means there was a video showing Altuve's walk-off, home run, off Chapman to send the Astros to the World Series, edited perfectly to not show him rounding third and crossing home plate when he grabbed his jersey and wagged his finger like Kembe Mutombo and said, no, 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 I will not let you go. That's a Passover song. No, 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 I will not let you go. Any case, so they edited all these videos. They show the videos. Meanwhile, fans are booing at a home game for the Astros. Was I surprised? No, because in spring training, the demographics are such that it's not a lot of Texans. It's Floridians. It's people from all over, from the Northeast, people from the Midwest coming down to get some good weather. I'm not sure how many actual... Texans are season ticket holders of the Astros in Palm Beach, Florida. Out of 5,000 season ticket holders, are there 100, 500? Not enough to to drown out the other voices that you'd hear. And it got a lot of attention, the fact that the Astros, they sent this this woman employee who is obviously either a full-time employee, maybe an intern, they sent her to get all the signs that people were holding up. Someone held up a sign that said Houston asterisks with an asterisk, apostrophe S. They sent a woman to take the signs away. Twitter went crazy. They're taking signs away. Well, let me tell you a couple things. Number one, no signs allowed, period. That's a rule that every stadium has. At least any stadium that I was going to be in charge of. I don't care if I'm the most popular guy in the world, which I wasn't. I don't care if there's going to be signs that say how much people love me, which there weren't. There are no signs allowed. It is the total discretion of management to decide that rule. That is not a constitutional right that you have to bring a sign in. Now, a smarty pants put on a shirt today and said, hey, you can't take my shirt, Guess what, smarty pants? Yes, I can. It is solely my decision if I look at your shirt and I decide it's not appropriate. You are at a game that I am throwing in my home, my stadium, because I'm allowing you to be there, period. I can decide if I want you to wear shorts and no flip-flops. I can decide if you have to cover your shoulders, I can decide if there can be no words written on your shirt at all. It has to be solid colors. I have the right to do anything I want, and you've got the right to not buy tickets. That's your right. Use it. Don't go to games. If enough people don't go to games, maybe i change the rules. Maybe I would change if no one went because everyone wanted to hold up signs about how much they hate the Astros. Maybe then i change the rules, but I doubt it. Do you know the amount of money that's made in spring training? It's not enough to make a tinker's damn of difference. Not close. So therefore, for all the people bringing signs, wearing shirts, or thinking they can use anything other than their mouths in order to protest the Astros, you won't be able to anywhere, anywhere the Astros go all year. Now, will you be allowed to boo? Yes. Will you be allowed to bang on seats? Yes. But if you're banging so loudly that you're interrupting the right of people around you to enjoy the game, I have the right to come and tell you to stop banging and to kick you out. Basically, I can kick you out for anything I want. That's the power of putting on an event. That's the power. Will the Astros have to deal with booing all year long? Yes, they will. Will the Astros have to deal with heckling? Will they have to deal with signs and distractions and media? They will, go into their car, going to anywhere where they are part of the Astros. Do I think anyone has the guts to actually boo Jose Altuve when he's buying groceries at Publix? No. People generally hide in groups. Very rarely do people come up to a person and say, I don't want your autograph, I don't want a picture, I want to tell you you're a piece of cheating crap. I bet you not one Astro will be told that while, when he is out to dinner at a restaurant or shopping or at Home Depot or buying clothes. But when they're in the stadium, surrounded by other teammates, they're going to hear it. Will it impact their season? It's the number one story to watch. Okay. Uh, Jimmy Crane. Love you, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Jim Jim. (laughs) Jim Crane's had some problems, owner of the Astros. Just he is, uh, he's got some PR issues, let's face it. We've covered it from A to Z. Something happened in the past week. I think he found God. I think he looked in the sky and said, wow, I'm really not that good at talking to the media. Every one of my instincts may be wrong. I can't believe the Wall Street Journal wrote an article by Jared Diamond and Andrew Beaton. By the way, Andrew Beaton was the babysitter of my children in New York City when they were tiny kids. He's now an investigative reporter and a journalist for the Wall Street Journal. Hopefully making more per hour now, but doubtful. Jared Diamond, they got together, they wrote an article about Jim Crane's past, all of his business dealings, all the issues that he had in becoming an owner, and there were a plethora And Jim Crane realized that he cannot stop this train of bad press. He better do something. So he hired some more people as my guests, and he finally started taking their advice. And they came up with the oldest trick in the book. I draw your attention if you're listening or if you're watching on any sort of network with video. The old season ticket holder letter. It's a go-to. I used to write them all the time. Anytime there was a problem... I'd get a call from P.J. Loyello, our head of communications. Hey, we need a letter. That's what he would say, literally. Write me a letter. I'd call the owner and say, hey, we got to send out another letter. Houston, we got a problem. So Jimmy Crane wrote a letter. What I love about the letter is that it started with, there's three ways to start a letter. Dear season ticket holders, comma, to all... Houston Astros fans, comma. Dear valued Astros fans, colon. And then what they chose, it's an oldie but a goodie. Two are valued season ticket holders, comma. (laughs) So basically, there's a template, and I would decide what I was writing about, whether I'm talking about trading players, which I had to write letters about whether I was talking about the excitement of a season where we added payroll but didn't get enough season ticket holders so I'd be calling and writing, trying to get more action, more buzz, more business, or when I had to announce a price increase or even a price decrease or any sort of change, anything, there was a template with the first to our valued. You only go with this start to our valued season ticket holders when you realize that they're not so happy with the value they're getting. So, I would only use the word value when I wanted people to realize that, in fact, the value they were receiving was greater than what they were perceiving. We needed them to know the value they were receiving is greater than what they were perceiving. So, you start the letter to our valued season ticket holders. He then goes on, and you've got to always make it a page. You heard me talk about resumes any good letter, any good resume, no staples, keep it a page. He starts off wrong. He started off by trying to get you to not realize what this was about. As we get ready to play our first spring training game, I want to reach out to all of you and say thank you for your support through an extremely difficult off season. That's not what season ticket holders want to read first. They want to read that you understand their plight. I understand how difficult it is for you to be a season ticket holder today. I will do everything in my power to make you realize that being a season ticket holder of the Astros is the right thing to do and that you are getting value and you will be proud again to be a season ticket holder for the Astros. To that end, I want to again reiterate we cheated, we violated the rules we did everything that we have told you our fans we wouldn't do. We did everything that we told our corporate and charitable partners we wouldn't do. We want to be a model organization, and we want to make you proud every day to be a season ticket holder, and I failed you. Let me look for that. Mm, No. Nope. He just says, I know how difficult it is for each of you to see so much negativity directed at our beloved Astros. Unfortunately, we deserve that criticism. Huh. We ask that you forgive us and that you continue to support our players in this organization. We greatly appreciate each of you. We look forward to seeing you in Houston for opening day. Hm. Okay. Jim, it's a good start. I'm not upset you needed to do it. I think you could have done a better letter. I told you how I would have started it, and here's how you end it. You give the date and the time of opening day and the date and the time of game two of the season. And you say, I look forward to seeing you on March 26th at 4 p.m. as our team takes on the blank. And I want our players to hear your support. And I want our players to recognize the support that you're giving them. And I promise that our players will give you, the season ticket holders, a standing ovation. As I hope you give our players the same. And then Game Two on March 27th. I'm making updates. It would have been so awesome if Coca would have said, "Hey, they they open on the road. Game One is March 29th. Game Two is March 30th." Are you asleep in there, Matt? Honestly, are you watching the Bryant tribute still? I figured. Okay, that's what he's doing. We're doing this right now. It's about 225 Eastern. My guess is he's watching whoever the speaker is right now instead of paying attention. But that's okay. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate that. So I would continue to say that Crane should say in game two, I want you to come out again and show that same support because in the second game, we will again give a standing ovation to our fans. Thank you for standing by us and supporting us. And then I would sign it Jim Crane, and the rest of the Astros organization players and staff. Everybody. I would have every single name signed, not typed, signed signature on the bottom of that letter. I've done letters like that. Okay. Coke, if it's okay, I'm going to review something. (laughs) All right. So each day I get to watch a movie and then I review it for you. Sometimes I watch a TV series and I spend some time watching Virgin River. Virgin River is a 10 part show. Season one. It is a show that is about a small, small town called Virgin River. It is shot beautifully in British Columbia. There is no Virgin River, California, though you're supposed to think it's in California. It's actually shot in British Columbia. It is beautiful. The settings are unbelievable. You turn on the first episode, you look and you see Martin Henderson. Haven't seen him since Bride and Prejudice. He looks great. And then you wait a minute and you see Tim Matheson. Anything with Tim Matheson is something that deserves to be watched. He's not just a great director. He's a phenomenal actor. And he's not the kid that you saw in Animal House. He is now a mature. Can I say that, Tim? Are you mature? I think you are. A mature man. I hope you're listening to this, Tim. A mature man and an incredible actor who plays a grumpy doctor. The reason why this is important to watch all 10 hours of the first season, A, it got renewed for a second season. Congratulations. B, What they do in Virgin River is you actually have time to develop characters and story arcs. You actually get to see the doctor, played by Matheson. You get to see the doctor's ex-wife. Is she the ex-wife? Played by Annette O'Toole. Yes, the same Annette O'Toole, who was Nick Nolte's girlfriend in 48 Hours. Yes, that's her. You also see, as we said, Martin Henderson. And you see Mel, played by Alexandra Breckenridge. Are you checking that coca? Because I think that's exactly her name. She plays a doctor nurse practitioner who's forced to leave LA in theory to get a new start and becomes a nurse practitioner to the doctor, Tim Matheson, who has no interest in hiring her. And throughout the 10 hours, their relationship develops, her relationship with Martin Henderson develops, her relationship with the town develops. There are good guys, there are bad guys, there are mysteries. And you watch it evolve in a very interesting, perfect way where you're never bored. You're always wanting to know what's next and they don't overact. So when I give my reviews, what I like to say is, is it too much? Is it worth spending your time, which I value very much? My answer is yes, Get yourself into Virgin River, make it through episode one and two, and then don't give up. Watch the story arc and the payoff in the season finale, which is 10, episode 10 of Virgin River, to me was the best episode of all of them. Tim Matheson himself directs a bunch of episodes. We are lucky that we get to watch him as an actor. We're lucky we get to watch this ensemble, and we're even luckier we get to see season two. Virgin River watch it. (laughs) So here's a hot take for you. I would void Madison Baumgartner's contract. 85 million over five years was an overpay to start with. He's not close to worth it. The Diamondbacks gave it to him. Good for them. If I were the owner of the Diamondbacks, and I had a chance because I woke up and realized, wow, I'm not so sure that we are going to be good enough to win, and I'm not so sure that Madison is a good enough pitcher to merit that type of commitment. I can't believe how excited I was during the offseason. The press conference was amazing. He's such a great guy. I was so starstruck. We stole him from the San Francisco Giants, who are a rival of ours. This is amazing. Oh, man, the Dodgers got Mookie Betts. God, are we screwed? Totally. What can we do? How could we get rid of this contract? Ah, Madison Baumgarner's a rodeo clown? Madison Baumgarner's a cowboy who, under a different name, throws rope from a horse to tie up cows and calves by the front legs, hind legs, neck, whatever it is? This is what Madison's doing? Word leaked out yesterday that he won $26,000, which is also known as pocket change. It's the stuff that falls out in the laundry with the lint for people like that. I mean, I don't think it actually would fall out. It gets, when have you ever put money in the laundry and then the dryer? Only till recently did I know about this. What happens is that it actually is sort of wet and discolored and linty. It's crappy. Change is way better. It sort of clicks around in the dryer. So you know you've got change. You're super excited. God, I hope it's a quarter, but it's always a penny. You've all been there. Don't say you haven't. So, Madison Baumgartner, under a pseudonym, Mason Saunders or something, entered tournaments, entered rodeos. Folks, that's a prohibited activity. There are contracts that players sign where they are not allowed to do prohibited activities skydiving, scuba diving. In Jeff Conine's case, love you, Niner, racquetball. In every case, if they knew that he had a proclivity toward horse rodeo, Nights that would have been a prohibited activity. In baseball, the contracts are guaranteed. If, now, you know what? I just thought of something interesting. Jonas Cespedes had a guaranteed contract. He then did something so outrageous on his farm that the Mets were gonna go in and void the rest of his contract. So instead, they went and settled. So his guarantee went from like 25 million down to 6 million. The Diamondbacks could easily go to Baumgartner and say, listen, you're not hurt right now, but we need to put in the contract that you can't do it again. Because mark my words, if you get on a horse, forget, look at a horse. If you get on a horse, if you put rope in your hand, even in your sleep, we're going to avoid your contract. You can grieve it all you want. You're in violation. The GM of the team stood up today and said, eh we're good. It's no problem. I'm going to see if I can read it to you. It was so ridiculous. He sent, it wasn't a tweet. He met the media. And while I was meeting the media, he said that uh, we totally understand what he was doing. It's really not that big a deal. Uh, he's the GM of the Diamondbacks. And uh, he said, we, we didn't know, but it's okay. We didn't need to know. Um, that's wrong. If you're the GM of the team, you actually stand up and say, we're going to deal with this privately, but I can tell you that we do not encourage our players to participate in any activities where they could get injured. Meanwhile, Baumgartner has not exactly been the picture of health. Got a five-year, $85 million deal. I'd be way more pissed. Way more. I don't know what they're doing there. Well, on subject to being pissed, I got another one for you. So here's the rules in baseball. Let me just give it to you, okay? So you have it. In the collective bargaining agreement, there is a timeline by which all players must report to spring training. And there's a deadline saying a player must report by no later than X days prior to the first day of the regular season. Then there's a section that says a player is not may not be required to report until X days prior to the regular season. So there's a window, right? The first day where you can ask players to go is, let's say, February 15th. The last day where players have to show up is, let's say, February 22nd. So let's say you have a week between the day that's the earliest you can go and the day that's the latest you can go. You get a letter. We would send a letter to every one of our players. It's called the reporting date letter. Dear Zach, our physicals will be on February 15th. Your first workout will be at 9 a.m. on February 16th. See you on the 15th for your physical. Love, David. Well, it turns out that Zach Renke said, Nah, I'm going to come the 22nd. I'm going to come the last day I can come without getting fined, without being in violation. And everyone is applauding him people on media, people on Twitter, people who write for teams that are saying, good for Zach. Zach being Zach. Zach is such an interesting character. He's such a smart guy. He's so cerebral. You know what he is? He's selfish. It's all about Zach. You think his other teammates are excited to be doing PFP? Those are drills that are so monotonous and boring, they'll literally make your eyes roll to the back of your head. And we make our pitchers do it. It's the pickoff moves. It's the bunt defense. It's throwing to first. It's throwing to second. It's the wheel play. Zach Greinke gives a quote saying, I don't enjoy spring training as much as the regular season. Well, no shit, Sherlock. Of course no player does. You think I do? By the way, they're not getting paid. They're getting per diems and that's it. Their actual regular season money doesn't come till the first week of April. But spring training is your job to get ready. It's your job to be a mentor, especially with what's going on. Do you know what team Zach Renke plays for? Anyone out there? Yeah, plays for the Astros. You think the Astros have had a few distractions? Think they could use a veteran presence? Think they could use someone to help take some of the heat off all the other guys? He's supposed to be their number two starter behind Verlander. Now that coal is gone. And this is what he does. This is the most important season, I would argue, in Houston Astros history. And Zach Renty Renke says, Ah, who needs it? Who needs to be there? I don't I definitely don't need to be there. So what frustrates me is that I would have said to him, I wouldn't have permitted it. And uh, I would have explained to him that we have to have you there. And if you're telling me you're not showing up. Um, that's a problem for us. And I would make sure that he was assigned to every possible autograph activity, every possible thing that would interrupt his routine, everything I could do legally under the agreement, the collective bargaining agreement, to make sure that he had to make every appearance, do everything he didn't like to do for the rest of the year. I've done that to players and I've told them, I've said to them, hey, you don't want to show up to this to this spring training autograph session, that's fine. You have four extra community appearances during the regular season. Trust me, you're not going to want to do it. Just go and sign. You think they're all happy signing autographs and smiles on their face? Do you know what happens behind the scenes to get these players to go? I'm not trying to be the grumpy old man. I'm not trying to take a smile off your kid's face. I'm trying to let you know it is very hard to get players to do anything. They don't want to do anything. Christian Yelich is the exception, and he's grown into it. He wants to do things and be the face. There are people who do sign, of course. I'm not saying it's 100 to zero, but it sure as heck is 92 to eight, maybe even 93 to seven. It's hard to get players to do things, but when you have to answer to your teammates the way Zach Grenke does, how does he walk into the clubhouse day one? Hey guys, man, tough offseason, huh? Woo-hoo-hoo. Hey, sorry, Justin. Yeah, I just I was with my kids busy. Yeah, those drills, not for me. I know I've had very tough April and Mays, but I'll be, I'll be fine. Don't worry. Justin, I'm good. Oh yeah. My slider. He actually said, Zach Cranky actually said this. Yeah. I don't think my slider's going to get better this year. Yeah. I think I got to go deeper in games. He said, give me a break. I've had it. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly. Okay. So you want to talk to Samson. So listen, this is good. Follow me on Twitter and go to my DMs. Give me one and I'll answer. I got one yesterday. It's called, so you want to talk to Samson as in the movie. I'm having a total brain cramp right now. Half baked. My God. It's in the movie half baked. They say, Hey, so you want to talk to Samson? Well, you do. Someone texted DM this at David P. Sampson, why are so many teams content with their current position of mediocrity? He then went on to say, why don't the Royals trade Merrifield as an example? Explain to me, please, why it is that teams are okay with just being okay. Great question. I appreciate you asked, and let me answer it. Nobody's okay with mediocrity. When a team goes in, let's say the Royals, they recognize when their windows open, when their windows closed. Sometimes their owner asks them to hang on to the window a little bit longer than they should. Sometimes their owner has them tank or trade away players a little earlier than they should. But no one goes into a season ever saying it's okay to win 81 games. What's funny is teams like the Miami Marlins, their narrative today, among other narratives, Derek Jeter met the media for the first time, Two weeks ago, Jeter said to the media, hey, this isn't about wins and losses. This is about stadium experience, fan experience. We want the fans to enjoy their time at the stadium. We know that fans don't remember whether the team wins or loses. He then, then, excuse me. (laughs) He then meets the media today and says, it's all about wins and losses. We know that. Well, make up your mind, Derek. It's definitely about wins and losses unless you're not going to win. And when you give your manager like Don Mattingly this talking point, yeah, a step for us right now would be to win 81 games. So are you saying that that is not mediocre? When you send me a DM saying, why are so many teams content with their position of mediocrity? The answer is nobody is content with their position of mediocrity. People on the bottom are trying to get mediocre. People who are mediocre are trying to get to the top. People at the top are trying to stop from being mediocre and stay at the top or decide to tank and skip mediocrity and get all the way to the bottom. You have put your finger on something that is talked about in every single front office. We talk about mediocrity and say we are willing to be anywhere else. We will not be there. I appreciate you asking that question. Pick of the day. I won the Friday pick. You better put it on the board there. I don't know what my record is, but it should be around 15, 17. And I'm not saying in one, it should be 16, 17. For whatever reason on the board, I think it says 15, 17 and one, but that's because Coke is a bitter, bitter man. Bitter. Utah Jazz are only eight over the Suns. I don't know why. The Jazz are actually one of the best teams in the West. I, uh, when you look and I see the Western Conference unfolding, the only thing stopping to me, the Clippers and the Lakers from a conference finals, it's not the Rockets. I think it's the Jazz. I think that after the All-Star break, this first sort of 5-10 games is a huge differentiating factor. And for me, I tell you, let's take the Jazz. Let's see what happens. Okay, I want to spend some time on pick of the day here. Um, I continue. I'm, I'm wait to see. Excuse me. I just did pick of the day. I want to spend some time on wait to see. I don't quite understand. Um, Someone contacted me outside of Twitter in sort of a private message area and said, with your wait to sees, why aren't you taking a position? So I want to be very clear here on the 79th episode of Nothing Personal. The whole purpose of wait to see is that I take a position. And then after it's done, I decide... I don't get to tell you whether I was right or wrong. The world will tell you. Circumstances will tell you whether I was right or wrong. And it's not binary. Either I'm going to be right or I'm going to be wrong because every way to see is by definition a position. So I don't understand. I like leaving DMs open. My Instagram is public. I'm fine with all comments, all the negativity, all the positivity, all the love, the hate, everything but apathy. You know that. But what I want is comments from people who are thinking about things. How is it that I've been so bad at my job that you haven't realized that wait-to-sees are exactly a position? For example, John Elway will not see 2020. That's a wait-to-see. Either he will be the president and GM of the Denver Broncos in 2020, or he won't. I'll either be right or wrong. By the way, I'm taking the loss. I thought Elway would be fired already. He wasn't fired. I'm taking an early loss on that. Wait to see. We'll see what happens. But I'm going to take an early win to balance it out. We talked about the Kobe Bryant Memorial. We talked about people with emotion. In the first days and hours, hours, days, even weeks after his death, things were being said about tributes. People were getting tattoos. People said, we've got to change the logo of the league The entire logo of the NBA must be changed to the silhouette of Kobe Bryant. I told you it's not going to happen. Just because I'm right and it's not going to happen doesn't take away from what he meant to the league. It doesn't take away from what he meant to the game. But I'm taking it. Wait to see. Dustin Pedroia is back on the I.L. And guess what? Wait to see. He ain't never playing again. I hate using the word ain't. And I hate using the word hate. Dustin Pedroya will not play another inning in Major League Baseball. You wait to see. All right, to close out, I want to wish someone a happy birthday. Who, I want to wish someone who will never know her father. Her name is Penelope Fernandez. Jose Fernandez's daughter turns three today. And uh, it's hard to imagine she's three and just uh, she's like uh, little Jose. She is a, a firecracker, great personality, and she's got her whole life in front of her. It just is a life without her dad. She has the most amazing mom, Maria. And uh, if you're listening, although why would Penelope listen to nothing personal? Maria, if you're listening, I'll maybe call you later. In any case, don't forget to think about that when there's death and when there's tragedy, there are people who live on, who need your support, who need your love, who need your thoughts. Long after this memorial is done, Vanessa and her living daughters will need the support of all those people sitting in the front row just like penelope fernandez who is going to go on and lead an incredible life happy birthday penelope
1: introducing wondersuite from bluehost.com the tool that makes wordpress wonderful for everyone